Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to another edition of Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show, the best show that the SB Nation NFL Show offers you. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show, leave a rating, write a review. Those things are very, very, very much appreciated. We want to wish you all a very happy belated Valentine's Day. And we want to tell you that we have a little bit under an hour of fantastic NFL conversation coming your way today. It is going to be unlike anything we have ever done in the history of Monday Football Monday. Michael Kist is absent for the day. Kissed. We hope the time off, the vacation in the Bahamas that you've been planning for 10 right. years has been going so well. Pete Sweeney is with me. I am Arjo Ochoa. Pete, we are doing this, um, I can safely say, in a way that we have never done it ever before. Right. You are dealing with power issues where you are due to some weather conditions. So we're over the phone, but we are finding a way to get this recorded locally. So it sounds good for you, the beautiful listener, but let's go. Let's get into this. I know we're missing Music City Mike for Bahama Mama Mike right now, and uh, we will miss him, but I'm excited to talk some NFL. Again, I think that this has to be said one more time. Pete did a great job. Pete is, Pete is perfect, honestly. Like, Let's just go ahead and say right. that. No doubt about it. And I know this because I can always see Pete. And maybe this is like, Pete, you know, first world problems. I don't know if it qualifies for that. But the way we record, you know, kind of peek behind the the curtain here, it's over Zoom or over other clients that we use. And right. so we can always like, you know, put put your finger up, whatever. If, I, if Pete's got a great point about Alex Smith that he wants to make, he can signal me. Mm-hmm. Right now, this is this is Pete like, um, you remember when you were like in middle school and you would be on the phone till two right. in the morning and, and just, just doing that? That's you and me right now. Yeah, with your best friend or your best gal. If you were lucky enough to get through with the dad, you could talk to your crush for all night long. T- tough situation there for those millennials who, who remember that. Uh, I'll say this, Alex Smith, quarterback wins are a stat, and we know he is very, very good at, at securing quarterback wins, but I'm I'm ready to go. I, I think we'll be okay here. I don't know if he was on the phone last night or has been on the phone recently. If he has, it's probably been with people outside of the city of brotherly love. Carson Wentz. Carson mm. Wentz is our first topic, obviously a quarterback of much discussion this offseason. Uh, it seems more probable than not to use the lingo uh, uh, from about five years ago now with Deflategate, uh, that Carson Wentz will be playing elsewhere in 2021. The Indianapolis Colts and Chicago Bears, uh, you might have heard my pup bear talk a little bit a minute ago, uh, seem to be the front runners, Pete. Um, my first question to you is, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like a third team should be in the mix, or are those the two that make the most sense? Well, the Colts make sense for obvious reasons with Frank Reich. I think what Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears want is a chance, right? They feel like if they can get Carson in the building, maybe coach him up, coach some of the things that we saw in Philadelphia out of him a little bit, they will have a better chance to win than fielding Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles, 
which to me is the right direction to go in. And and not to say that I think Wentz would be considered a slam dunk for Chicago, but I think bringing Wentz in on one day, you're better than you were the day before. Right now, they're the definition of if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. So I understand why Chicago is in the mix. Indianapolis, to me, and we noted the reason there, they're a quarterback away and a decent quarterback away. Like Brissett is not that guy. They had Phillip Rivers and really almost made a run. You can make a case that they potentially should have beaten the Buffalo Bills, which would have made the playoffs even more interesting in the AFC. So understandable why these two teams are involved. But with so little teams involved, as you mentioned, we have an article right now up on Bleeding Green Nation. We're we're unsure if Carson Wentz is even going to draw a first round pick. And you say that a few years ago, that would be shocking, wouldn't it? It would. Um, I and I can speak to that personally because Pete, I have I have fought the good fight. Lots of Eagles fans who told me uh, that Carson Wentz was better than Dak Prescott. Um, those conversations have uh, have changed, to say the least. I said this with uh, with stats on the look ahead last week. I think that these teams are in really interesting situations. I would not be pumped, I don't think, as a fan of either of these teams, if if Carson Wentz landed as my quarterback. From a Colts perspective, I think Indy, you mentioned it, they are a quarterback away, and I get that, but I don't know why you would risk all of that on Carson Wentz. It doesn't feel like the basket I want to put my eggs in. That, that team is so well-founded, I wouldn't want to jeopardize that, especially if he does have this kind of egotistical side right. to his game that, that has been part of, of the downfall in Philadelphia. And on the Bears front, I do think, and I know you haven't had a problem with this as somebody who covers the Kansas City Chiefs, but when you have a floundering head coach and a floundering general manager, the priority is short term, right? Like, right. We, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation is kind of a really great example of that. And I mean, if, if I was, you know, Matt Nagy, I would be saying, OK, like it's it's me on the line here. So I'm going to do whatever I can to save myself. Let's go get Carson Wentz and hope that that's what, you know, is going to be the ticket here. And if these picks are gone, you know, a year from now, two years from now, who cares? I won't be here anyway. Bill O'Brien isn't upset that the Houston Texans don't have their first round pick right now. Um, but so I don't know. I mean, that's that's right. maybe why the market isn't that strong. Uh, Jeff McClain from the Philly Inquirer had a tweet on Monday morning. He said, uh, because it, it is speculated the Colts do have the best offer, and also they are Carson's top choice. Uh, he said, if the Colts had the best offer, it's likely a deal would be done at this point. Wentz's preference would be Indy, obviously because of Frank Reich, which would expedite agreement. Probable cause for delay. If Colts's interest is mild, then there is little he could do to prevent a trade to the Bears. That's the other thing. Like, yeah. if, if you're the Bears and he wants to go to Indianapolis... Why are you going to give up a whole lot for a dude who has an attitude issue to come in and be disappointed with you in your windy city? You're never going to find a good quarterback when you're desperate. And the Chicago Bears right now are the definition of desperate. And I think about Carson Wentz and I think about the Colts. You have to find a situation that gives Wentz the best possible chance to turn this around. And we mentioned how Music City Mike is not on the podcast today. He's, what did he win, best leader at the scouting school or something? He would tell you right now (laughs) that Carson Wentz is utterly broken, right? I mean, he said that a few times on our Monday Football Monday podcast throughout the year. And so they got a project on their hands. And if there's anyone in the league that's going to solve it, it's probably Reich, where he had some success there, was an MVP candidate a few years back with Reich. And so I think that that really, to me, is the only scenario. I think if he does wind up going to Chicago, what you're not getting is a quarterback who's going to 
have the best possible chances. So I don't like the move to Chicago. To me, the only one that makes sense is the one to Indy for all parties involved. Pete, you and I are about the same age. And so I'm going to assume you experience this um, in your late night chats uh, with uh, with with the lucky gals, you know, that right. were so fortunate to have yes. the affection and attention of, of one Pete Sweeney. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you ever simultaneously on AOL Instant Messenger, a.k.a. AIM. Were you ever kind of juggling both things at once? Right, yeah. Well, the the thing that you had to do is is you got to stay involved. You know, never put all your options into one <laughs> basket. So, yeah, of course I was involved on AIM. And then if I felt like, okay, maybe the phone call needs more attention, you throw up the away message. Uh, well, so, it, like, what I'm kind of getting at here, it feels like like if you and I are the Colts or whoever on a on a call, right? Like, you know, we've mm-hmm. chosen where we want to devote our Saturday night's worth of attention. It kind of feels like like your computer is getting to, like, you know, and this was before, like, cool sound effects uh, that now landed on our phones and stuff. Like, right. a really obnoxious, like, bling, you know? And it, it feels like Carson is just, like, throwing this out there, like... I'm mm-hmm. a franchise quarterback. Pay attention to me. My contract is totally worth it. I'm super awesome. And, you know, and the person you're on the phone with is just like laughing at that to you because you're you're Pete Sweeney. You're very cool. You're the person that they want to be on the phone. With, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And to continue to just show our age and just show how aging we are day by day. I mean, he's that video at Blockbuster that's available. All the good movies are out. They're rented. They're taken. Mm. And, you, you know, you end up having to watch Carson Wentz because that's the only thing that's left. And I don't know if that necessarily is going to get your franchise in the right direction. Good point. Uh, well, the Eagles seem to be having a fire sale of sorts. Um, it had been reported, Pete, over the kind of end of the season that the Eagles are going to be willing to move on from tight end Zach Ertz. I feel like, you know, he's been dangled around the trade deadline or was dangled around the trade deadline as well. There was also the uh, the tweet that went viral of Zach Ertz kind of soaking up the moment in week 17 when uh, yep. when the Eagles definitely did not tank. It felt rather ominous, at least his future in, in Philadelphia did. And I have long called for Zach Ertz to head to Chicago himself. His wife, Julie Ertz, who's part of the women's national team, uh, plays for the Chicago-based NWSL team. So that just made a lot of sense to me. Uh, But Pete, over the weekend, it was reported that the Eagles are reportedly talking to the Colts also with regards to Zach Ertz and the Seattle Seahawks, who saw a former Chicago Bear and Greg Olson retire this offseason. Zach Ertz definitely, um, I think, more appealing, somebody whose aim message you would pay attention to than Carson Wentz. Where do you want to see Zach Ertz end up? Yeah, well, RJ, I mean, you're, you're forgetting a major part of this, and that is that Dallas is involved. And no, I'm not talking about oh. the Cowboys. I'm talking about <laughs> Dallas Goddard, who the Eagles really like as the next tight end in line and he's still on his rookie deal they could also draft the tight end if you want to do multiple tight end sets there are some tight ends of intrigue in this year's nfl draft and so i don't think zach Ertz, given as you said the ending getting on the zoom call and being in tears about playing in philadelphia really seems like this is the end of the road for a lot of reasons and the eagles in a way and and it hurts to hear this a little bit, but they're in rebuilding mode. And so I, I do think that he goes to another team and those are fits. Now, what will be interesting is you mentioned the Indianapolis Colts. Could we see a scenario where you blink and all of a sudden Wentz and Ertz are wearing blue? Well, uh, I tell you what, that would be kind of fitting because the greatest Indianapolis Colts tight end was also named Dallas. Um, so nice kind of full circle for, uh, for oh my God. In that capacity. I mean, who needs a scorigami yeah. when you have this offseason yeah. storyline when everything kind of lines up like this? Exactly. I'm rooting for the Indianapolis thing. And I don't mean this 
with disrespect to Andrew Luck, but I feel like it's been a long time since the Colts were legitimately relevant. And and I know that, you know, they had success, made it to an AFC championship game. Uh, what now? Seven years ago is the 20, the deflate gate game that I mentioned a little while ago, actually. Um, but I just, I, I want to see that. I want to see the Colts, you know, have a sustained level of prominence. It feels awkward that the, the AFC South is so like open, you know, I just, I don't like that. It, you know, it's, well, it's like I your mean- favorite restaurant closing. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about the the Colts, RJ. Too. I mean, your Buffalo Bills probably were on the verge of of an early exit out of nowhere if they simply had the quarterback in the fourth quarter to get it done. And nothing against Philip Rivers, but he was at the end of his road. And what I find in, in Wentz is a possibility toward that. Now, hard to put your absolute confidence in Carson Wentz, but Indy to me is, I, I talked about the definition of desperate before, Indy is the definition of being a quarterback away. I think if they find that guy, the defense is good, the offense is good, you can start to get in that mix for the upper tier of the AFC, compete with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs, and who knows how this goes. I mean, now we're you know, a whole offseason season away. Let's see if they can get this quarterback right. Um, in a similar way to the Bears, I think, uh, being desperate, I, I wonder if if all of last week's uh, discourse, I guess, that was reported between, uh, I guess, between Russell Wilson and his team will lead to the team being more aggressive in, in terms of acquiring weapons for him, offensive linemen for him throughout the offseason and the draft. Obviously, going and get Zach Ertz would fit that idea, I think. Um, I don't like this idea. And I love the Seahawks and I want to see Russell Wilson cook or whatever. Uh, but I was telling you, Pete, when we were kind of figuring out how we were going to do this whole thing with duct tape and glue and twigs and stuff, um, <laughs> I, I like the Seahawks need to get their own tight end. I'm kind of sick of this, you know, just take everybody's really good tight ends. Um, actually, the season or the offseason after the deflate gay game, they traded for Jimmy Graham, somebody else's tight end. Um, they recently signed Greg Olson, as I mentioned, somebody else's tight end. And then trading for Zach Ertz would kind of be doing that same thing. It's like, get your own tight ends. You know, I just I'm, I'm not a fan of this. It feels like they're ripping off the tight end market. I don't like that at all. And I won't. Yeah, and again, it? like the seat. Go, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like all they want to really do is run the football? I think that's why Russell Wilson is like running from the situation because he wants to have this weapon filled offense like you see in other places in the league and the last thing that Pete Carroll said before the season was over is well fans aren't going to want to hear this but we need to run the football a lot more what do you think your quarterback is going to do when he realizes he's aging and he's only been able to win the one Super Bowl and he wants to get back and that leads to your point too where they're not really concerned about necessarily a tight end like will they bring back Chris Carson what's in in the future for a guy like DJ Dallas, who they they drafted and, and is a running back. How does DK Metcalf fit into all this? I mean, there's a lot of question marks, and it starts with Wilson. Until you're sure and your quarterback is bought in and you feel good about that situation, there's a lot of question marks that surround an offense. Pete, I just want to say um, and really say to our loyal listener that the reason we decided to do this show this way is because the power in my home is flickering at the moment. It just flickered. So that justifies <laughs> us, us going about this this way. This is a very authentic version of Monday Football Monday. And for that, yeah. I think we're both grateful. This is very real, yeah. So, Pete, this has not been discussed in a serious capacity on the SB Nation NFL show yet. I mentioned it on the Daily earlier this morning. Over the weekend, really, um, happened on Friday, and, and Friday's basically the weekend. The Houston Texans officially released J.J. Watt. Uh, it was heavily speculated that they would be doing this. Uh, so unlike Carson Wentz, unlike Zach Ertz, J.J. is 
on the free market. He can sign with whoever he wants. Um, he is an unrestricted free agent as it currently stands. Doesn't have to wait till the middle of March like everybody else who's waiting for their contract to expire. Uh, over the weekend, it was reported by ESPN that a dozen, a dozen teams, Pete, are interested in him. They include the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, my Buffalo Bills, and Michael Kiss, Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ed Werder also reported that one NFL general manager, I think this is important just for the offseason as a whole, uh, noted that this is a bad year to be a free agent with the diminished salary cap that is to be expected. J.J. Watt on right. the open market. If you have been checking Instagram early on Monday, Pete, you have seen that he is celebrating uh, the one-year anniversary with his wife, who also, I believe, plays for the Chicago-based NWSL team. So nice common denominator there. Yeah. I have the odds pulled up here from what was February 12th when the release first happened. J.J. Watt got on the camera and essentially said, thank you to Houston but they have decided to mutually part ways. Nice that the Texans will release him and, and not Deshaun Watson, but that's a whole other story. And so what and the odds are like this as of the 12th. So they could have changed by now with, with things that happen in the league. But Steelers plus 175, Bucks 200, and then it drops from there. Packers, Ravens, Rams, Cowboys, Browns, Dolphins, Patriots, and then the long shot is the Titans. Notice that there are several teams that you would think might be interested that haven't been listed, at least in the initial odds. And I looked at J.J. Watt's career earnings heading into this conversation. And to me, that matters, right? So just from, it's a lot. Just from his contract in the NFL, this is not talking about endorsements and all the money that you can make from commercials and whatnot. And we have seen J.J. Watt in a few. His career earnings from his contracts in the NFL, just over $100 million. And you don't want to throw money out, you know, altogether. But to me, okay, so the salary cap is going to be down to an extent this year. We know that. Isn't this the perfect guy to maybe take a one-year or a two-year deal, see what happens, really be ultra-motivated? I don't think there's any question that we have about J.J. Watt being ultra-motivated and really go to a team that fits him as opposed to maybe trying to take the most money. Like To me, Watt screams as a guy that's going to go to a situation that he has learned, yearned for for his entire career. To me, that brings up two teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have both of his brothers and are losing potentially Bud Dupree to free agency. So there is a fit there already. And then Peter King noted this, and, and he talked to J.J. Watt and his roots in Wisconsin and playing for the Green Bay Packers, who to me are another fit where, yeah, I don't think Watt is necessarily going to be cheap, but will he maybe take a little bit less money to play with his brothers or with a team that he's always wanted to play for? Give it a year or two, see the cap go back up, hopefully in a post-coronavirus universe and have a chance at maybe winning a potential AFC or NFC championship. Or who knows if the team puts everything together, those are teams that could maybe go to a Super Bowl. So um, where were the Packers on in terms of the ranking of odds? They have the what best odds that you have, Pete? It was Steelers, Bucks, and then Packers. I don't find the Bucks to be that entertaining of a realistic option. I get why they're listed as as an odds-on favorite. Um, and JJ, to me, um, you know, JJ and I are bros. I don't know if you know this, Pete. Uh, yeah, any, right. any guy who who has a two-lettered name, mm -hmm. you know, fifty percent of which is the letter J, we're kindred spirits. Let alone JJ is hundred percent the letter J. Yeah, uh, deep totally connection different there. subject, but. Right. right, right, right. Now you get you get a peek into into my world, but the the Bucks to me like he, he that's that's not his his play. But the Packers I do think make a lot of sense. Um, in and, and this is a 
not a different take, but a different spin on it. The hometown thing, I think, totally works um, to, to kind of support this argument. If I was JJ, I don't know that I would want to go to Pittsburgh, right? Like, I don't know that I would want it to be... I don't have a sibling. You you have a sibling, right? You think you're, right. you know you have a sister, right? You have one or two, or I don't know the, the Sweeney family tree. I have one. I have one sibling. Yeah, a younger sister. Yeah. Right. So how annoying was it when you know for Christmas or something you would get like the same gift? I don't. I'm sure that didn't happen totally often, but you know Pete Sweeney wanted to be his own man. Pete Sweeney wanted right. to be his own person, right? Like you know you didn't you didn't want to share everything with with the young sister here, and so I I could kind of see that as as a motivational factor, but. Um, to mention, because I guess the subject of today is is the narcissism of our age. Um, you know, when when we were growing up, when we were kids, obviously, you know, because JJ's a similar age. Um, the Green Bay Packers were, you know, among the kings of the NFC. Obviously, won a Super Bowl and whatnot. And again, the hometown tact- factor I identify is very real. But I think an important, you know, delineation here is that what happened that made the Green Bay Packers Super Bowl contenders. It was that they finally went out and spent money on a big time, not just free agent, Pete, but a big time free agent defensive superstar pass rusher in Reggie White. And honestly, I think that the argument can be made that JJ is the most dominant defensive player in the game since Reggie White. Certainly an argument for Aaron Donald. I'm I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but if, if you're like... It's it's one thing to go like live out your sports dream on your favorite team or whatever. But JJ could literally go be what Reggie White was to his favorite team. You know what I mean? Like I think that's yeah. a really cool factor that is at play here. Well, the reason that I bring up the Steelers is because I look at JJ Watt's age and he's 31. I mean, how many more years does he have left? Now bear with me here, as an impact player, an impact edge guy. I think he'll play for a number of years. And probably go what will be, I would think, another four or five years if a team will take him. But uh, you're starting to approach that area where he might be more of a role guy than the guy. And so how much of an opportunity do you have really to still sort of, and I, I think he's exiting, but still sort of be in the prime of your career and play with your brothers at the same time? Now, I mean, you listen to the beginning of this podcast, right? might come into his belief in a Big Ben. And I don't feel very good about the way Big Ben finished the season and how they were this powerhouse that just really, it was one of the historic fall-offs that we've ever seen. I mean, I give the come-up of the week. This was the fall-off of the cinch, really, with the Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) last year. Do you buy that? Because Aaron Rodgers, to me, what he put on tape last year was a clinic that he's going to have it maybe into like the Tom Brady years i mean i know he's 37 38 but he still has it they'll be a contender next year this is the team you grew up rooting for i tend to agree that the packers are are in this mix because i think it gives you a better chance to win and again there would be a need for you to be in the prime but i wouldn't rule out the steelers either the opportunity to play with your brothers i think would be something special you see it actually i don't know if you're an nhl fan at all rj but you see it in the nhl a little bit more where the brothers sort of always end up together on the same team. This would be extremely rare and I think fun and unique for the NFL. It would be cool. Um, I um, I dabble in the NHL. Um, I um, I think I said before, my family and I, we go to one road Cowboys game every year. And in 2019, we went to New England when the Cowboys, um, it, it was it was not a fun time, at least uh, from a football standpoint. But we went to a, um, a Boston Bruins game. So that is my team of choice because... 
That's okay. the only game I've ever been to. Um, All right. So that sounds fu- good. Funny yeah. you should bring that up. Similar color scheme to the Pittsburgh Steelers that we're talking about here. Um, right. Same neck of the woods. Uh, but uh, but it would be cool, and I think it would be cool because he could, you know, the the Derek. No disrespect to Derek Watt, but he could literally play next to TJ Watt. Like that's part of what's cool about this. Um, is is that that would be a factor. You know, it's not like. Um, you know, like Rondé and Tiki Barber, you know what I mean? Like opposite sides of the ball, not mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Um, but I don't know. I also think, and I don't know if you agree here, but I, I, actually I know you agree. Um, I, I think the NFC is the weaker conference. Like I think if you're if you're laying out pros and cons, I think the right. path to the Super Bowl is much easier in the NFC, especially if you align yourself with the best quarterback in the conference. Versus, right. and, and I know the Tom Brady yeah. argument is there, but versus like – at the absolute best, Ben Roethlisberger right. is the what, like fifth best quarterback in the AFC. I know that Bruce Arians, you know, he had a couple Bud Lights, and he was talking about that KC run it back BS and saying how oh, they're going go. for two. Listen, the Bucks are not getting back to the Super Bowl. They're not. Your best bet is indeed to go to the Green Bay Packers, who I think learned a little bit of a lesson last year. You would think that this offseason they bolstered the offense a little bit and J.J. Watt would be coming in at a position of need and you nailed on all those points. And so, you know, as we talk about it more and more here on Monday Football Monday, you could tell that I was leaning Steelers. You're convincing me here. Maybe the Packers are the best fit and it's and it's more obvious than we think. I also, my last thing, like the Steelers are maybe not even the best team in their own division, right? Like it's it would be one thing to not even be the best team in your conference, let, let alone your division. And right. and they're not they're maybe not even the second best team in their division. You know, like it's it's just it, it it's cool because of the brother angle. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. R- RJ, um, just one me. final point on this, and and you know this is important. I think for everybody to know, we at Arrowhead Pride, you never know how these things are going to go. We posted a photo on Twitter of JJ Watt in the '99 Chiefs uniform. A lot of engagement. Thank you for all the engagement. There was one <laughs> like in particular that I didn't notice. And that was that of Patrick Mahomes, who liked the tweet of J.J. Watt in Chiefs uniform. And I'm just going to tell you, you never know. That's all I'll say. You never know. Pete has struggled through the last week, um, not had a chance to really flex his Chiefs muscles in the way he thought he would. T's and P's for you, Pete. Um, I'm glad you got an opportunity here. Happy for you. When the best quarterback in the league likes a tweet of a player that isn't on the team in a uniform, I think it's just worth a mention. I don't know how that's going to go, but there you go. All right. We will be right back, everybody. Going to take a very quick break. Going to try to literally restore power with my bare hands. We'll see how it goes. We'll see you after we hear a word from our sponsors. Welcome back, Pete. I was unsuccessful. I did not electrocute myself. Um, It is very cold. Uh, Pete Sweeney, what is your go-to? It's cold outside. I'm going to make what meal and do what activity indoors? Like, what's your, you know, you and I were hanging out, you know, it's cold outside. You're treating me to a a time at the Sweeney household. What's going on? Well, come on in, first of all, and we'll have plenty of blankets, you know, maybe we'll throw on an old flick or something like that, but I'll head to the kitchen and what I'll do in the kitchen probably should be fairly obvious, and that's, of course, make a grilled cheese with a tomato soup. I mean, there's nothing better as far as a cold weather outside. You you come in, you have that, you start to feel it in, in really, I would say, the upper part of your chest. But essentially, what that is, is your soul. And so warm up, come into the Sweeney house, and, and that's what you would be treated to. I don't have as much experience as you do. For anyone who's unaware, Pete Sweeney is a New York guy, um, you know, born, <laughs> in, born the, and bred. Live in the and, cold Midwest as well. 
uh, right now. Relocated. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like you've you've flocked a little bit south, but you know you're very well accustomed to, to the cold life, so to speak. Um, I'm I'm from and still live in South Texas, um, so that's why when when things like this happen, they do feel a bit apocalyptic. Um, but right. um, but so I I understand that I have to defect to you here just off of you know experience and, and mm-hmm. you know whatnot. But I'm gonna say the best like it's cold outside food is is a big pot of chili. You know, like that's that's what I'm talking about here. Like tomato soup's fine, but um, like the, I'm gonna the throw something at the, you here. I'll throw something at you oh. here. Have you ever had the chili in a bread bowl where you can consume the bowl when you're done? I mean, that to me is the cream of the cream to the cream. Um, I'm not gonna disagree that that is probably a really great experience, but see, that my problem with the the tomato soup that you described is if it's cold outside. And, I, and, you know, like the the ideal situation here is you mentioned it. I've come inside. I've taken the coat off. I've still got the hoodie on, though, right? Because I need the sleeves and I sit down on the couch. The ideal set, you know, set of circumstances here is you bring me the bowl and I can just sit and kind of scoop and eat, right? Well, sure. I can't do that with the grilled cheese. Like, you know, I've got to have a place to put the the, the sandwiches because I'm not putting them on your couch. I'm not rude. Yeah, I understand. You know what I mean? that. And yeah. so maybe it might, and, yeah, it and might that's be a the problem situation. with the bread bowl. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt so, about it. You know, yeah, you, look, you have, you're off for a lot of good points. All right. So, um, Leah, we just spoke about JJ Watt. Let's stay in the AFC South, Pete. Uh, we mentioned this on the daily as noted, but, um, over the weekend, well, on Thursday, it was, uh, reported that the Jacksonville Jaguars, as they have recently hired Urban Meyer to be their new head coach, that they were hiring former Iowa strength and conditioning coach, Chris Doyle to kind of head their sports performance department. Uh, This move, Pete, as you well know, was met with an immense amount of criticism, Mm -hmm. uh, given that Chris Doyle faces allegations from his time at Iowa centering around bullying and racism. The Fritz Pollard Alliance issued a statement kind of uh, really, really, really coming down hard on the Jacksonville Jaguars for this hiring. And uh, one day after Chris Doyle was hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars on on Friday night, he resigned from their staff. Uh, the Jaguars released a statement that originally spoke on behalf of Urban Meyer, but was later clarified to also represent the thoughts of General Manager Trent Baalke. They said, Chris Doyle came to us this evening. This was Friday, of course, to submit his resignation. We have accepted. Chris did not want to be a distraction of what we are building in Jacksonville. We um, we are responsible for all aspects of our program, and in retrospect, should have given greater consideration to how his appointment may have affected all involved. We wish him the best as he moves forward in his career. Pete, Urban Meyer entered the NFL. I say that as if it was 10 years ago. It was literally a month ago. Um, with, I don't want to say scrutiny or, um, you know, condemnation, but with a lot of... Um, a lot of curiosity surrounding the move. I think a lot of people, we talked about this, looked at this right. job when we when we power ranked openings as the best because you had the number one overall pick. You have all of this cap space. The Jaguars, Pete, again, as you know, are coming off of an era where their front office was really, really, really not liked by their players and, and really kind of had this, this porous culture. And so to risk all of that on Urban Meyer seemed, you know, um, skeptical, or we were skeptical yeah. at best. And, and this move, I think, kind of justified the skepticism that that everybody had surrounding Urban Meyer. I know that Chris Doyle resigned, but this is just a really bad look for Urban Meyer. Yeah, we we talk about the messes that are the Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles right now. The Jaguars quietly have been a mess for like the last three or four years because you saw their best players, their homegrown players, essentially force their way off the team. This was because of the ownership and the management and whatnot. And they ended up getting rid of Tom Coughlin along the way, Doug Marone. And you know they essentially started a new chapter with Urban Meyer 
And I'll tell you, the best take that I saw on this, I, I mentioned this off air, was Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, who I don't agree with every take he has. I don't know how you could, but this one was particularly good in, in saying that what Urban Meyer was able to essentially get away with, for lack of better terms, at the college level is not going to fly in the NFL immediately. And this is a former chief, which is why I saw it, a Jaguars wide receiver and Chris Conley was not happy with this move. And I, I don't see how you could be. Uh, given the past and some of the things that came out about Chris Doyle, this reminded me, and it's very different here, so I'll emphasize that, this reminded me a little bit of the Greg Schiano situation in New England, where you blinked in an eye, there was so much outrage at the NFL level that the guy was gone the next day. And I, I think the Jaguars were forced here. I don't think Urban Meyer wanted to do it. If he was at a college program, he might have just buried this guy away, got him a paycheck, and and took care of his buddy. But that's not the deal in the NFL and where you hope that this lands with urban is uh, a learning point where you, you now are the face of what is a professional franchise. You got to really, I think, bind the team together. This was a silly move to try to bring this guy in given some of his past circumstances. And let's see where he goes from here as far as making sure that he does the right thing. Again, I, I think where the Jaguars landed is where you want it to be at the same time, you would have hoped that this wasn't an issue to begin in the first place. This guy should never have been brought in. Right. You mentioned uh, the Greg Schiano situation in New England. Also, again, very different things. I think everything's different, but Greg Schiano at the University of Tennessee, you know, that that was kind of, um, you know, something that, that, you know, I don't want to say Twitter, but um, but the outcry against it really shifted what was going to happen with that job. And I, I don't want to speak for you, Pete, but I feel like when, when the Jacksonville Jaguars chose Urban Meyer, in fact, when it was reported that they were even considering him, I think a lot of people, just from a football sense, thought that this wouldn't really translate that well. Urban Meyer's quarterbacks, outside of your precious Alex Smith, have not really developed at the NFL level. Um, right. and, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of football reason to to be skeptical about this move. But again, his his past, um, you know, however you as a as a loyal listener may feel about it, is certainly you know something that be sh- should that should be highly considered in, in establishing him as the face of your program, so to speak. And I so think I the think, bottom, I yeah. Think we, no, I think the bottom line here is I think everyone should be happy that they got it right. But it's one of those situations where like the toothpaste is out of the tube already. They got it wrong. And this is already a step in the wrong direction. Now, how does Urban Meyer try to right this ship very early on here in his Jaguars tenure? Right. And that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I feel like we were, you know, if, if I'd asked you a week ago, how confident are you in, in the Jaguars staff and Urban Meyer's abilities? I, I don't know. Maybe that answer would have been like a five to six out of 10. Right. Like something around there. And I, like that has plummeted for me. I mean, it's it's at the bare like a one out of 10 because in in I have, again, totally different situation. Um Again, this this is purely about football, but uh, as it is well known, I cover the Dallas Cowboys here at SB Nation, Pete, and so uh, I, I I have maintained the point that one of Mike McCarthy's really only lone demerits since becoming the Cowboys head coach was was hiring Mike Nolan to be his defensive coordinator. There was no football sense to do that. It it went incredibly poorly. Um, he had to fire him, his buddy. It it did speak to the kind of uh, nepotism level of environment the NFL can foster, where you kind of hire your friends. 
friends. And my argument for that, not that anybody has really agreed with it, but and, and you know this as well, Mike McCarthy sat out the 2019 season, right? So so you had all of this time to to right. formulate and build up your perfect plan, right? Like the next time you got an opportunity, you were going to go with this set of moves. You were going to put all of this into action. And one of your most important, you know, deals here already fell apart. And so Urban Meyer, and, and again, like we know this information, I mean, we knew it then, but you know, it took a year's worth of Mike McCarthy to fully justify the Mike Nolan situation. Getting back to Urban Meyer here, again, he's had a very long time, not just to consider his next future staff, but his next future staff at the NFL level, you know, and this isn't like Sometimes we see coaches become available and, you know, a place where they coached before will bring them home, you know, like a la Josh McDaniels you right. know, type situations, whatever. This wasn't that. And and so the the fact that this was, I mean, this sounds harsher than, than it is, but premeditated, preconceived. The fact right. that Urban Meyer sat out, thought about this and to himself at least said, this is a good idea. And, and not only said that, but they doubled down, Pete. I mean, after the, the move was met with immense criticism, Urban Meyer said that, that he and Trent Baalke and Shad Khan vetted Chris Doyle and that everything, you know, worked out very well. And so that that's to me, like, not only is the toothpaste out of the tube, but when they squeezed it out, they said, look at this toothpaste. It's beautiful. Right. It's perfect. Nobody right. should be criticizing it. And, and so I am incredibly worried about the future of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. And look, this is an unfortunate part of the NFL, RJ, but it, it is true. Winning helps every situation, and sometimes if a team can be successful after they make certain mistakes, you you sort of forget about it as time goes on. But again, this is not a good sign for the start of what is the Meyer era in Jacksonville. Would you say that the AFC South, um, football and otherwise, is the most toxic division in the NFL right now? Yeah, I you know I think that's fair. I I think that's fair, and I I think you know. And I, you want to make sure that you 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 disassociate the football from what is I think a a life mistake that Meyer made, right. right? So that to me is more important than the football of this. But as you bring the football right. back into the picture, to me it it really feels like the Jaguars and Texans are not going to be there for a long while, and because they have so much of those problems, and they are two of the teams really in the entire NFL that are kind of all over the place when it comes to the news stories coming out, where they're going with personnel decisions, so on and so forth. We talked about the football for the Colts, where they're a quarterback away. Is Carson Wentz that answer? I don't know. The team that's best built to continue to maintain and and win this division would be the Tennessee Titans. And again, from a football standpoint only, you got to think, okay, the Titans feel really good about the way this division is going because there are significant problems, both football on the field and off the field with the three other organizations. Pete, um, well, it, it will be interesting to see what happens to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, we hadn't talked about this on the show. Um, yeah. For for the for the listeners' sake, Pete and I are good pals. Um, we, we talk often, um, and um, we we were down in Miami last year. As has been well chronicled for Super Bowl Fifty Four. Uh, while we were there, Pete, uh, you know, partying in the city where the heat is on, obviously, uh, yeah. we went to the the live show that the Around the NFL podcast did. We're both huge fans of it. Uh, when right. Chris Wessling passed away the day before the Super Bowl, we were we were both just heartbroken for his family, his beautiful wife, and his young son. Um, and, and so our, our thoughts and our prayers certainly go out to to Chris Wessling's family. And last week, Pete, uh, Therese Paler of Yahoo, fantastic NFL reporter, 
writer, analyst extraordinaire, also tragically passed away. Uh, Therese obviously spent a, a great amount of time on the Kansas City beat, and, and I know that you know him well, or knew him well, excuse me, and um, and, and I know that we hadn't mentioned that, but um, I know that you were close with him, and, and I'm really sorry for your loss. I didn't know Therese personally, uh, right. but, but certainly admired his work and, and learned a lot from him, and I know that you just you had some thoughts that you wanted to share. Yeah. Um, well, first on, on Chris Westland, to sort of backtrack a little bit, Chris Westling is someone that I didn't know personally, but around the city and covering the Kansas City Chiefs and some of the national, even like this podcast stuff that I've been I've been doing as I'm covering the Chiefs throughout the city, I would listen to the Around the NFL podcast to make sure that I was in tune with the rest of the league. And Chris Westling became such a, a critical part of that. And again, I didn't know him personally, but RJ, I'm sure you feel a similar way. He almost felt like a friend in a way because you would hear him so much. And the Around the NFL podcast is something that has had an impression on me for what we do on this podcast. The greatest thing about that is they all feel like a bunch of friends talking some, about some football. And Westling was a, a critical and integral part of that. And I, 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 my heart bleeds for those guys. And I know that He'll be so missed both on that podcast, I'm sure, with the guys who do it. You know, we do a podcast here and also just for the listeners who almost you, you become someone that you, you feel like, you know, and a tough loss, I, I think, for us. I'm, ha- I'm happy that we were able to go and take in that live around the NFL podcast in Miami, because that's certainly now a memory I'll, I'll remember for a long time. And then with Therese. Therese was actually someone that I really did know personally, a colleague and a friend on the Chiefs beat. I started on the Chiefs beat in 2014 as an intern with the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs.com. Therese was working for the Kansas City Star. It was someone that I saw pretty much four or five days a week. And uh, one thing that will always stick out about Therese was his grind and how badly I think he wanted to be a national NFL writer. A lot of people will attest to this, that he did things the right way, built up his sourcing, and then he joined jumped to Yahoo Sports in 2018 and had basically found his dream and, and was doing it in such a, an impactful way, not only doing chief stories, but doing chief stories around the league. Before coronavirus, he would go and travel to each training camp and try to tell that story. And what I found amazing about him is this is someone that I saw really, I think, having an impact at the local level. And Joel Thorman said this, a uh, guy who you know started and founded and built up Arrowhead Pride before I took over really rare to find a beat guy and he was the chief's beat guy who was universally loved uh where you didn't have a take do, I, do you like this guy's take no everybody loved therese because he was fair he did the work and he was building an outstanding career and uh, one of the younger hall of fame voters i believe the youngest hall of fame voter he came out this weekend that he gave this grand speech about terrell owens and his impact on the game that really pushed the voting for him owens found out uh, post-mortem and was really touched by it to the point of, of finding emotions. And there's just too much to, to say about Therese. And, and when he made the national beat, I mean, he made a point of it to come to me and, and share that he had liked some things that I was doing. And when Therese gave you a compliment about your work, it meant the world because of the work he put in. And he really felt like someone who was going to be the best of the best on that track to become the next Peter King or someone like him. And, and probably the first Therese. And this one hurts, man. Uh, just a great guy. Touched a lot of people. And he will also be missed both on the Chiefs beat. And, and I, I just regret that we're not going to be able to see the next 25 years of what would have been top-notch NFL coverage from really one of the better writers out there. And, and uh, again, we'll miss him. I know, Pete, when you shared the news on ArrowheadPride.com um, that, that you made mention to how 
when you would share stories from Teresa at AP that you would you would note that they were from, you know, friend of AP, friend of the side, right. friend of, of the program, whatever, um, and that you really felt that. And I thought that was a really sincere way to put it. Um, you, obviously, we mentioned the Around the NFL podcast, the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast that Therese did with with, um, with Charles Robinson is fantastic as well. And, and you know, a really enjoyable NFL voice. And I, I think, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about our, our ages, um, interestingly, um, on, on this episode. And I think that we we have lived and grown in a day and age where uh, people like Chris Weston, people like Therese Paler, the way that they have found to communicate information, to share knowledge, to help people learn has been really impactful in, in, in our careers. And I know you already spoke to that. Um, and, and they have, you know, I, I don't think that you and I would be who we are professionally without them. I know that actually. And so, um, yeah, I, I, and just tragic news. It's, it's been a long, um, long last 10 days or so uh, for the NFL world. And, um, you know, we, we certainly are passionate about the things we do, Pete, and, and, and this podcast and, and all of our work. But um, it, it's, you know, people people are inspired. And I, I agree with you. I think that we've both been inspired and a lot of people have been inspired by the way that they operated and the way that they covered the NFL. And um, I, yeah, I mean, it's just been I tough, mean, man. That's the word right there. And, and that's what I'll I'll say is passion. If you want to unite these guys um, on, on one word, you could really read the passion in Paler and Westling's work and hear it on their podcasts, which were both rapidly growing. I mean, the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast was something that was starting to get more and more notoriety. The Around the NFL podcast had been around for years and sort of just a new way of learning uh, some of the game. And these guys were obsessed with it and, and so passionate about their work. And uh, again, it's, it's just two guys that were taken from us too soon. Pete Sweeney, I love you, dude. Um, we love all of you. Uh, Michael Kiss, we miss you. Um, hopefully talk to you next week. Um, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, Pete, with all these rumors floating around in the NFL. Um, Carson Wentz, J.J. Watt. Um, in fact, my last question for you before we get out of here, is J.J. Watt on a new team before next week's Monday Football Monday? I don't know. It, it does seem like he's going to take his time with this one. I don't I don't think he's, he's jumping right away, and maybe he wants to see how teams shake out. He really doesn't have to rush in a sense. I, I think he, you know a lot of people know what J.J. Watt is, and Maybe he can kind of pick and choose his team after the NFL draft um, is over and, and who knows with free agency. I, I think this is probably a longer term. I might be wrong here, but I my gut tells me this is a, a longer term uh, free agency decision. Quickly here, and I want to continue my streak of giving the award every week. Uh, Jalen Hurts, <laughs> uh, what a tremendous job. He, while all this crap is going on in Philadelphia, he's already looking toward the future. Come up for the week, he's gathering the Eagles receivers. It says here at the NFL.com report and out of NBC Sports Philadelphia, they'll be gathering the receivers in Texas. So Jalen Hurts, I, I think he's he's got the come up of the week for realizing that as all this stuff is going on with Carson Wentz and that's taking the headlines, he can put his eyes toward the future and, and realizes he's the franchise guy in Philadelphia come up of the week. Congratulations to Jalen Hurts. No better way to end Monday Football Monday than with the most prestigious award that this right. entity offers. The come up of the week, Pete Sweeney. Uh, really enjoyed a man. Looking forward to next week. Everybody, we love you. We'll see you next time. This was Monday Football Monday.